like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff Show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Atlanta, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I, I am now joined by old friend Carlos Medina. Carlos, good afternoon, sir. How are you? Uh very well, Chase. Thanks for having me. And uh, as soon as I got your message about what you were looking to talk about, I just went. Finally, finally, <laughs> I got a team. I talk about a team that's a lot of fun to watch. They are a lot of fun to watch, um, but the here's what's interesting about the Cowboys, and I, I remember us talking about this in the spring ahead of the draft, and um, one of the things, Dalton Miller of PFN, he is a big Cowboys guy too, and good film guy, and love having him on as well, but what we've talked about and like what it seemed like every Cowboys fan thought coming into this year, after last year, was like, last year was the year. Like last year was a lot of eggs were in the basket of like, let's do something with uh, this group. Amari Cooper's probably gone after this year and we'll, we'll just see a lot of guys got expensive and the offensive line was going to be a bigger question mark going into next year. Um, And you know, it hasn't really been the case. It looked like it might be the case to open up this year that this was supposed to be kind of like a gap year for the Cowboys because they'll have a lot more money to spend going into next year um, and that they were just going to be okay. Like, they were probably still going to be a playoff team because the NFC East was um, a rough division, but we might get four playoff teams out of the NFC East this year, and that's why you play the games. Is you just you never know how these seasons are going to go. But for you as a Cowboys fan, is what you expected coming into this year? Like, did you see this kind of year coming? I felt like it was a possibility, and here's the reason why. There mm. was a lot of names. There weren't a lot of games that went away. Like, mm-hmm. losing Leal Collins and the reason why they decided to to not bring him back. Everyone's thinking, what's your right tackle? Well, Terrence Steele was a better player at right tackle last year. And, and Leal Collins was was spending time, and he was uh, you know got a four-game suspension. He wasn't healthy, and so that went away. Uh, Randy Gregory was always kind of a time bomb. You didn't exactly know what was going to happen. So once he decided to, to take his money in Denver, they decided, all right, let's bring back Dorrance Armstrong, who's actually been a better football player than Randy Gregory. Mm. And so there were a lot of those names out there that you said – Hey, this is a oh my god! They're 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 getting worse at the position. No, they got younger and cheaper, mm-hmm. and it turns out they've been just as good uh, as they were last year in terms of uh, now that they've got Dak back and they're playing the offense the way they are, and their defense is better than last year. Can they make the Super Bowl in your estimation? Uh, right now, I believe so. I think it's them in Philadelphia. Uh, when you take a look at the NFC and, and who hmm. are the strongest teams, uh, not the Diners. Uh, one, no, uh, I, I still think that you have an issue uh, in terms of what are you exactly doing at quarterback there. If you're telling me that it's going to be Purdy for seven or eight weeks, good yeah. luck to you. Let's let's see what <laughs> happens. But uh, mm. if you just want to talk about what's going on point differential-wise in the NFC, uh, you do have the Niners that are a plus 92, and that's impressive. 
Philadelphia is a plus 112. That's impressive. The Cowboys are a plus 127. Okay, mm-hmm. that's that's what they're doing. That is the best in the NFL. That's right there with the Bills at a plus 124. So they're just not really playing a lot of tight games. And again, now you get to play the Houston Texans. So, mm-hmm. you know, hello, 10 and three. Let's see where they go from here. Man, uh, the Texans really bad. Just all across the board. Um, do they need OBJ? Does he do anything for them this year? I am hesitant to get on board with it only because now that Michael Gallup has gotten healthy, uh, Mm. came back, had the knee injury last year. Now we're starting to see the best of Michael Gallup, and and it's pretty good. Uh, I think they have a certain offensive rhythm to what they're doing now. They're a they're a thirty point per game scorer now. Now that their offense is kind of it's kind of humming. OBJ, if he is available and he's healthy, well, that's kind of a fun weapon to have if if he's mm. healthy. And I think that's the the indication you keep getting out of Dallas is that they are not 100% certain that he's fully ready to go this year. So that that's mm. the question mark. It's interesting, too. Tony Pollard, obviously, just <laughs> making uh, the Colts surrender Cobra on, uh, what was it, I guess, Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football? They all blend Sunday together. Night Football. Yeah, Sunday, Sunday Night, Night Football. football. Um, a few days back. And, like, I've never seen, like, our poor guy, Matt Ryan, where you're kneeling down 20 plus uh, late in the game. You don't see that very often where you're just like, let's just get out of here. This is just not fun anymore. Um, Let's just go home. And Pollard has just become really a superstar this year. I mean, that's been what I think a lot of Cowboys fans have been waiting on for the last couple of years. And obviously you've paid Zeke and it is what it is. You're nearing the end of that deal. Like when you look at Pollard and what he has been this year, this past week, like What's been different for you um, watching Pollard year in, year out this year as opposed to years prior? It's more consistency. Uh, there are times in the in the past where he does give you the flash play. That's what he's been over the course of his career. When he showed up there, there was a question if he was going to play running back because he'd played some receiver over at Memphis. And so whether or not he was going to be in the backfield was kind of a question. It's now turned into he's a guy that you don't mind getting him 15 touches a game. Somehow, mm. some way, you got to do it just because of that explosive play. When you're averaging 5.8 yards per carry, you know, obviously that's cool, but he's consistently breaking 30, 40, 50 yard runs uh, almost every game now. And so you, you just kind of, you hand in the ball and you wait and you use Zeke as that that slugging sledgehammer back who's still going to go get his four or five yards to carry when he's rolling, he's healthy, but now you got a home run hitter. And uh, it, it feels a whole lot uh, back in the day when they had like Felix Jones, they were using him in that way. He's mm-hmm. an even better version of Felix Jones. Is it sustainable? I believe so. But again, running backs in the NFL, it's all about enjoy the moment. And sustainable means can we do it for the whole season? And <laughs> I, I think that's that's what it is. Because mm. what happens, and it happens with every single one of these guys, they they flash, you get them paid, and then you immediately say, well, I got to draft somebody else so I don't run them into the ground. And it doesn't mm. matter what, where it is, it happens everywhere. Even the height of Adrian Peterson, they went, well, let's go use a second-round pick on a running back and make sure we don't run the tires off. Well, that's mm. what happened. And you, you see it with, with whether it's been McCaffrey or anybody else out there, you always end up paying these guys, bringing in another back and saying, well, I'm not going to use them as much as I did in order for him to get that contract. Would you rather have Fred Warner or Micah Parsons? Micah Parsons right now. It's, Why? It's so, much, it's so much versatility, and it's really what it comes down to. Uh, I love Fred Warner as a player. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that there's a whole lot of stuff that he can do at the middle linebacker position. He takes over the middle of the field. Micah Parsons gives you it on third down where you have to find him and then figure out how to defend him in terms of the pass rush. And when you're talking about a guy who's winning 
as often as he is right now with his pass rush where he's amongst the league leaders and he doesn't rush every single play mm-hmm. yet that's that's how good he is at it I think that's that one added element where I've seen him cover slot receivers I've seen him play as a traditional inside middle linebacker and I've seen him play on the outside and all three are really good it's it's, it's all cookies and cream to me okay every every part of it's been good who outside of Parsons on the defense has popped this year for you Okay, so here's the fun part. Uh, like I brought up, you know, what's going on with Dorrance Armstrong. That's that's eight sacks out of a guy they took in the fourth round uh, mm. out of Kansas. And they, they just kind of waited, and they kind of gave him spot duty, and now here he is, and here's what he's doing. Uh, I think seeing Demarcus Lawrence kind of round back into form. Uh, he's got another six sacks, and he's been all over the place. And then there's, there's players like, like Donovan Wilson, who mm. they drafted, I believe, his fifth or sixth round out of Texas A&M. He's become like their enforcer. Uh, along with him and, and J. Ron Curse over at, at safety, that's not even counting Malik Hooker because they're playing two and two and three safeties on a regular basis. Uh, those guys have been the ones where you just go every single week. They're doing something to affect a football game, and so it, it's a little bit of everything they've had. And again, most of it being homegrown, or most of it being guys they brought in and said, "We see a different role from you from what you've done in the NFL in the past," and it's been working for them. So you really haven't missed Randy Gregory at all. No, I mean, this is a team that's leading the league in sacks. You know, yeah. what, what more do you need to do? It, it's uh, it's It's been pretty good with what they've been able to accomplish. And again, you know, Parsons gets all the attention because he's got 12 sacks and he's amongst the league leaders. But even Dante Fowler, remember Dante Fowler, they were trying to get the little <laughs> bit out Atlanta. of him. Well, trying to get the little bit out of Dante Fowler. Mm-hmm. Dante Fowler in a limited role has five sacks. Five. Yeah. The Falcons are over here. Can we just get one? Can we get one? Yeah, can we can we just get him healthy? Would that be yeah. great? <laughs> um, what can the Eagles do to Dallas that Dallas can't stop? So when you think about that matchup, because you talked about the can and the Eagles obviously being the um just the team to beat in the NFC all year long, like what with that particular matchup are you just like, I don't know what Dallas does against Philly here? Philadelphia did something really smart. And again, they had to play Dallas's backup quarterback. So they kind of got a little Mm -hmm. bit of a benefit in that first time around. Uh, But they made it a point to isolate Micah Parsons and put him in positions to where, oh, you want to rush? Well, we're going to play all of our RPO games off of you. Uh, where are you where are you going to play at? We're going Mm -hmm. to do everything off of you. And it really took him out of the game. I think that's going to be the next cat and mouse challenge. It's that when you play them again, as you get them in Arlington, how do you make that adjustment to where Micah Parsons is free or you make an adjustment off of that? Because so much of what Philadelphia does, and it works, it's fun, but it's all really kind of a college RPO offense. And I think it's you've had, similar to 2012, the league was slow to figure out what was going on in, in San Francisco and in Washington when RG3 was running all this stuff all over. And then you had Colin Kaepernick you know, not long after. Once the NFL makes the adjustment, great. It ain't going to work. But for the time being, no one's made that adjustment because of the talent they have all over the field. So you are a little bit suspicious about whether or not this is sustainable for Jalen Hurts next year. It's it's just a team that I've watched mm-hmm. where week in, week out, I go, how are you playing the Colts down to a one-point ball game in the fourth quarter, and why is it so much of a struggle? And And the Colts have not been good this year. Yet, mm-hmm. it seems like Philadelphia finds themselves in those type of ball games. Washington, who basically just decided, we're not going to play this game with you. We're just going to be physical, and you got to deal with it. And they couldn't handle it. Um, mm. that, that's where I'm, I'm just kind of skeptical that whether or not somebody catches them playing that kind of style, that just basic football with them, and see if you can get them on that day. Who do you not want in the first round? Like, who's the worst possible scenario for the, the Cowboys? 
I do worry about having to play a Vikings team again, um, just because mm. of what they did to them. You know, when you beat somebody by 40 points, when you beat them on the road the way you did, you're not going to do that again. And so the Vikings are a good enough football team at home. You know, Dallas more than likely, unless you overtake Philadelphia, you're on the road to start with. You're going to get that, hey, here's mm. your three road games. You know, g- good luck. You know, let's see where you start. And that's the one. Might get the uh, nobody out. Yeah, nobody, nobody at West scares me. The Tampa Bay is so maybe the Falcons. That'd be something. The Falcons hosted a playoff a, game against the Cowboys in round one. Possibility of finding that. No, it's it's Minnesota. That's the yeah. only one where I think it's really hard to do that to a team again. Yeah, I um, I'm very curious to see what the Cowboys do because I think a lot of people are wait and see. Like I think a lot of people bought into the Cowboys last year. Los, I think that was it. Like last year. People feel burned. They're like, we finally lead in the Cowboys and that y'all were legit and that everything was coming together. We thought you were going to lose Dan Quinn to a head coaching job somewhere else. And this this was it. Like you had everything uh, clicking at the right time. Good offense, good defense, good special teams everywhere. And it's like, I think the NFC is open enough where it's like, unless you're a really firm believer in a rookie who's never been to the Super Bowl, uh, no rookie quarterbacks ever been to the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy and Jimmy Garoppolo just comes back and as someone who broke his left foot uh, in a similar way to uh, how Jimmy G did uh, two and a half months ago, I am a little suspicious that he's back and just rolling <laughs> in seven weeks. Like, there's just... As, that, We'll see. I'm sure listen, he gets listen, better. They heal. They they heal differently than we do, but it ain't that different. No, it's not that different. It's also the mental aspect, which I think people don't understand. It's like there's a mental game of like getting comfortable walking on a like even when the bone is healed to get your gait right, to walk right, and just trust your foot over and over again that it's not going to crack. Like it's been a whole weird process for me. And look, many are saying that Jimmy Garoppolo and I are one in the same in a lot of different ways, but <laughs> that, it's always the talk. Yeah. It's always the talk around town, uh, both in Knoxville and uh, East Tennessee, but or in uh, Atlanta, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see what happens with them, but I just, I think they're right there. And I think if you're a Cowboys fan, this is just amazing. Like this is, I think because your expectations were low coming into this year and low as in like, you didn't think you were going to be awful, but you're like, ah, oh, it's a gap year. And you're like, we actually might win the NFC because the NFC is wide open. I, I think it, this is a great scenario. I had the belief that they were going to be a playoff team, and it was just a matter of, of where it was going to be, whether or not they could get the division or not. Obviously, mm. didn't expect the entire division to, to obviously be much improved. What I will say, the difference in last year, because I didn't buy into this team last year the way I did this year. And the reason mm. why is that whenever they played anybody over 500, the only team they beat last year that had a pulse, it was a good football team, was New England in New England. And that mm-hmm. was with a rookie quarterback that they were, and that game went right down to the wire. Anytime mm-hmm. they played a good team, good quarterback, they lost last year. Now, now the schedule worked out for them, but when they played and they hosted San Francisco, I didn't believe they were going to beat that team. I was like, mm-hmm. San Francisco's good. They're not going to beat them. This year, I don't care who it is. I don't care where it is. That's the way they're playing right now. I like it. Um, last thing, Dak, he's back. Like, If you had to explain to people why they were able to run the gauntlet with Cooper Rush and keep the season alive once Dak uh, went down, you put in Cooper Rush. Why were they able to just starve off um, just going up the tracks with Cooper? And what has been different about Dak since he's come back that has you excited? There's a couple things. First off, we've seen scoring down all around the NFL, and everybody has a different opinion of it, whether it's, uh, it's finally us reaping the 2010 collective bargaining agreement where there's not that much work done in the offseason with offensive lines, the continuity of it, whatever's going on. It used to be you have to score 26 points to win a football game, 28 to be a playoff team. That's not the case this year. And so when you talk about Dallas being a top five team in terms of 
points allowed or total defense, it made it easier just to tell your backup quarterback, just get us to 17, get us to 20. And, and that's what they were able to do for four weeks, and that really helped. I think where you talk about what's different for Dak Prescott, a player that in the past has led the, led the league in, in passing yards, he didn't have to do that this year. It's I can hand the ball off. I can let the defense work. You can take a three and out. And that hasn't always been the case um, before the last couple of years. And so it's it's that's why you're able to survive when you had to go to your backup. And that's why that I think Dak is thriving because he's got a group where he can just say, hey, they're going to hold their own. They're going to keep us in the football game. Let's just figure it out as we go. Putting you on the spot here, Los. December 7th, 2022. How do you see this season ultimately ending for the Cowboys? Ah, uh, Super Bowl. Um, no, okay. I, I, I never. Okay, so let's, let me just point this out in this in this way. Uh, the last time they were in an NFC Championship game, I had just started driving. Okay, that's how far back we have to go. So, to me, I, I always joke around about it. It's always a ride. And mm. uh, several years ago, in 2016, when they got off to the start that they did, and they were a 13 and one football team, and they were being led by a bunch of rookies. I'm like, this is crazy. You, you had Tony Romo go down. And your quarterback loses his opening start and then wins like 13 straight. It's like, this mm. is this is insane. But it ended at the hands of Aaron Rodgers and that crazy pass play in Arlington. And, and that's how it ended. Um, I just enjoy the ride these days. Mm. Because, I, because, again, I, I when I was a kid, I thought, hand the ball off to Emmett 28 times and you win a championship. That's all you got to do. And mm. it's been a long time since they've been this kind of football team. And if they can find themselves in a, a conference title game, Again, I haven't seen that since 1996. So I'd, mm. I'd love for it to go there, and whatever happens, happens. I like it. Uh, Los, what can the good folks check out from you this week with the team over at 106.3 and uh, 680 The Fan? You're all over the place. Yeah, uh, I've got the, the morning extra over on 106.3 FM. You can always download the app. That's our uh, that's our political talker that uh, I'm doing 6 to 9 every single weekday morning. And then this week, uh, sub it in with uh, Matt Chernoff and Chuck Oliver a couple of days, including today. So uh, anyone who wants to check out the Chuck and Chernoff show, your uh, your Wednesday and Thursday editions, I believe, uh, I'll mm. be part of those this week. There you go. Who are you in for, Chuck or Chernoff? Chuck. Chuck is sick, and so I got I got the mm. phone call. So got that a little bit later today. It's interrupting the, the workout and the nap, so got to work <laughs> with it. There you go. And yet got to go work with Hoyt for a couple hours. Uh, yeah, yeah whatever. Make yeah. it work. There you go. <laughs> Carlos, thank you as always for making the time, and uh, I'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. See you, Chase. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.